0: Father, as we come before you into the word, we are grateful for what you've brought us and we ask for you to open our eyes, open our minds, and by your spirit, do a work in us that we see Jesus and that we worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. According to history.com. Uh, The United States has been in, has declared war so many times. Any guesses how many times the United States has officially declared war? How many? Six? The United States has officially declared war 11 times in five different conflicts. And that's probably what you were thinking of was the conflicts. And it could technically probably be six uh, if you include the Civil War in this, as I was reading through First Samuel this week preparing and and studying through what came to my mind was the the conflict between two parties, and I couldn't help but think of. It, In our history, our our country has has gone to official war 11 times. And many other conflicts other than that, like the one we're included in now, uh, with Ukraine and Russia and us sending money. When strong heads collide, oftentimes they're... There is a conflict. And and as you walk through 1 Samuel, what we see is a very clear conflict between two headstrong men. And this morning, uh, I, I entitled the message, When Kingdoms Collide, because I think there's more than just... Uh, I think there's more than just two men going on here. And as we uh, investigate this morning through First Samuel, I'd like for you to look at what two kingdoms are truly colliding this morning. Every king kingdom has a king and that king comes to define who they are. We can think of kings like King Tut or Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, or even King James. And what he's brought us today. But the kings represent what the people are. And if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn to First Samuel. We're going to begin in chapter 8 this morning. And uh, I'm going to tell a long story today. A long story. But the story has a purpose because it's drawing together the, the collision of two kingdoms... And how the Lord is orchestrating these kingdoms for the future, not only of Israel, but for the future of humanity. If you're new to us, uh, we're reading through the Bible as a church together. Of course, we're in 1 Samuel. And we've had a, uh, we, we have had a graphic that we've shown uh, each week about how we are reading and understanding the Bible. And, and the, the grander story, the big story of the Bible is this. God created... Man fell. There is a redemption pattern that brings us into God's kingdom. And we've seen this almost repeating itself from the garden uh, into later into Genesis. Genesis We saw it very clearly in Exodus. Now we're seeing it again in 1 Samuel. And we're going to look and, and really kind of focus on that last phase, the kingdom phase, because the redemption for, uh, has come. And these are establishing those two kingdoms, and we see it right here in 1 Samuel. So let's begin reading. The people wanted a king. Remember, as we've read through the story of Israel, we, we understand that the people have not had a king per se. They have had God as their king. And now the people have decided, we're looking around to everybody else, they have a king, we want a king. We picked that up in 1 Samuel Chapter 8, verse 4. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you are old, Samuel, and your sons, they don't walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being what? King over them. Do you see it? The nation of Israel did not want God as king over them. They wanted someone over them. And get a king, they did. What was his name? Anybody remember? His name was Saul. Uh, And Saul was... um, Look, he was, at the beginning, he was filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, he was a, uh, in some ways, a humble man. You might consider him a cowardly man. He was, he was out in the luggage uh, while they were looking for him because he didn't want to be in front of the people. But he was the man, head and shoulders above everybody else. He was everything you would want in a king. And he did well up front. He, he took care of the Ammonites. And he, he rallied all of Israel to come and defend the Gibeonites. If you remember, he started well. Truly, but unfortunately, that would not last. And if you've read through this story, this is where it begins to get um, complicated, if you will. First Samuel chapter 13, we'll jump ahead a few chapters. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, and then we'll go down to verse five. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots. That's a lot of chariots. And 6,000 horsemen and troops, like the sand on the seashore in multitude. A great and intimidating army came against King Saul. They came up and camped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in in what, in trouble, for the people were hard pressed. The people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tubes. I'm sorry, in tombs and in cisterns. You got to be really scared to hide in a tomb, right? And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So it's, it's a bit of a panic moment, and as the, the writer here is giving to us, this is not good. 30,000, and then 6,000 horsemen, and all this grand army comes up against Saul's army. They're hiding in caves and tombs, and Samuel hasn't come To give the the offering to the Lord before they go to battle. It is panic moment. And so what does Saul do? Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to, to me. And the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering for me, and, and that you didn't come within the appointed days, that, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the, Lord's, or the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, and I offered the burnt offering. And now listen. And Samuel said, you have done foolishly. You have not kept, what? The command of the Lord your God. With which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom. Let me say that again because this is important. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom. Over Israel forever or perpetually. But now your kingdom, what church? Shall not continue. For the Lord, and this is, catch this. For the Lord has sought out what? A man after his own heart. Here you have the beginnings of this division of Saul the king. Trying to do good and doing things and then... Being doing things his own way. And the Lord says, look, you're going to do your things your own way. That's fine. I'll seek out a man after my heart who will do things my way. Saul, you want to do things your way? That's fine. You can do it. But I'm seeking a man who will do things my way. And he will be. And the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people because you have not kept the commandment. Of the Lord. Now notice, this is the beginning of the division of a multi-kingdomed Israel. One kingdom being a kingdom of Saul. A kingdom where where uh, the leader does whatever is right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? Sounds like the last book we read, doesn't it? It sounds like Judges. He, they did what was right in their own eyes. Sounds a little bit like what we do today in our culture. We do what's right in our own eyes. Versus... A servant of God who does what God would have him to do. A man seeking after God's heart, if you will, or God's will. This is the beginning. Let's watch. Let's continue to watch it. What's going to happen shortly thereafter is Saul is going to hear these words that the, the, the Lord is seeking out a new person. He begins to gather all of these men around him. Who are good warriors, and, and, and here's what happens. Saul begins to link arms now with, with Pharaoh. and he begins to link arms with, with Herod, who killed all the, the children, because he wanted to remain king. You remember Pharaoh, right? He, he killed all the babies back in Egypt because he was afraid that they were going to rise up and take what his kingdom. And then you remember Herod, right? He, he killed all the babies because he was heard that there was a, a new king that had been born in the land of, of Israel. Saul now links arms and says, somebody's going to take away my kingdom. I'm going to take them out first. And this is how he's presented. We even see it in Sunday school. We're studying Acts. Remember the Apostle, Apostle Paul before he was, Saul, what was he doing? He was killing people, bringing them to jail, terrorizing them because he didn't want their kingdom to usurp Saul's kingdom. How ironic. Wednesday night, we gathered in the room back here and we had a study in Philippians chapter 2. Let me give you a contrast here. You have Saul rising up and seeking to kill people that are seeking to take his kingdom. We're going to see that in just a moment. Let me contrast that with you real quickly. With what Jesus gives us. And we read this Wednesday night. Have this mind among you. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God. Jesus was in the form of God. He didn't count that. He didn't count a quality with God. A thing to be clung on to. A thing to be grabbed and clung on to. That's not what Jesus as king did. He was part of the upside down kingdom. The kingdom that gave away. Jesus empties himself by taking the form of a servant. And becoming like us. To die on the cross for us. Whereas Saul seeks everything he can to hold on to his kingdom. And kill anyone that that, that wants to take that away from him. We see Jesus coming in the mind of Christ and saying, I give up all of my kingship to come and to serve and to die even death on a cross. Two kings, two kingdoms. Let's continue. Y'all still with me? 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to see the rise now in 1 Samuel of the second kingdom. Saul still runs his kingdom. Saul still does what he wants to do. He takes, he's going to begin taking out anything that's threatening him, but he runs his kingdom. But we see in the background a new kingdom begins to build itself. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Samuel takes a horn and anoints David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord now rushes upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. A new kingdom is being Raised up in the midst of Saul's other kingdom. Now, let me take a step back here and, and push this forward just a bit. If you can remember in our Passion Play, and they asked about a kingdom. And Pilate would ask Jesus, Oh, so you are a king? Because Jesus stood there and said, My kingdom is what? It's not of this world. And and I want y'all to see the parallel here. Within Saul's great kingdom in Israel, another kingdom of God's is rising up. The Bible calls the devil the, the God of this age. And I want you to know that there is a kingdom that is ruling and reigning around us even today. And it has ideas And it has expectations, and it is a cutthroat world out there. But I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, a new king came and began to rise up in the kingdom of this world, or the kingdom of this age. And it was a spiritual kingdom. And its king came and humbled himself unto death, death on a cross, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus now is still calling people into his kingdom. And that offer is for you and for me to come into the kingdom and to live in the spiritual realm and to invest into the spiritual realm and leave Saul's kingdom, if you will. Let's look at the rise of the king, the rise of the king, first Samuel chapter 17. This is a story that probably if you went through uh, VBS or Sunday school or as a kid, you heard this story. And 1 Samuel 17 is the address of it. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, David said to to Goliath of Gath, a man who was taunting all of Israel, all of the people of God. David comes out and he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of another kingdom. He doesn't say that, but I say that I come to you in the name of the Lord and I will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all may know that there is a God in Israel. I'm going to stop right there. David is fighting for another kingdom. Saul is in his tent with his knees knocking, and David is saying, "No one will defy my God like that." because he believes, and he has faith in God, and he knows that God is able to do what God will do, and the spirit of God is in him. Verse 47, "And all of the assembly and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with the sword and the spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. There's another kingdom brewing, and there's another king rising. But this leads to a massive problem. Y'all still with me this morning? This leads to a massive problem. David comes home after beating, defeating Goliath. This the unbeatable. And as he walks into town, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's the ladies' fault. It's the ladies' fault. No, I'm being silly. The ladies begin to sing a song. And they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing. And what do they say? They say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his what? What? Ten thousands. Oh, David's so great. Oh, you know, we love David. What a great warrior he is. And so the spirit of jealousy comes on the kingdom of this world, Saul's kingdom, and it brings about rage, anger, and fits of rage that we'll see. Saul will begin to attack David, the the king of another kingdom, in his own midst and throw his spear at him and try to pin him to the wall. He even gets so angry that he does that to his own son, Jonathan. Not you. but I want to show you something that's, I think, powerful and helpful here. This is not just a physical world battle. Okay? You've got Saul and his kingdom. And you've got David and the Lord raising up a, a sub-kingdom within the kingdom. This is not merely physical. And I say that because this is important for all of us to understand. The battles that we are going through are not merely physical battles. They're not. The conflict, the struggles, the battles that we, we engage in, they're not merely physical. If you are part of God's spiritual kingdom, there are spiritual portions of truth, of life, of hope, of redemption, of salvation, all playing into this. Look in 1 Samuel 16. It happened back then too. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a a what? Help me out church. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. This is a spiritual situation here. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. It was obvious. They knew it. Now let our Lord, lowercase l, Lord, Saul. Now let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play the lyre, and it will be well. So Saul said to his servants, behold, or provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of these young men answered, behold, I have seen the son of Jesse. Now, this is before, of course, before the the battle of, of David and Goliath, a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. His name's David, who is skillful in playing. So God sends even the enemy to begin to recognize this spiritual battle and be a part of this spiritual battle. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel 18. I jumped ahead. Here's the verse. The women sang one to another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was what? Very angry. And this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they've ascribed thousands what more can he have but the kingdom here's the drama all right we have two kingdoms we have one king angry living in the world jealous tormented by an evil spirit following the ways of the evil spirit throwing fits of rage And we have God raising up another king. And then in the middle of all that, we have this this aside story. This little vignette that shows up. And it has to do with David, the new king, and the current king, Saul's son, named Jonathan. Now, what do we know about the king's son? What normally happens with the king's son? What happens when the king dies? He becomes the king. You guys got it. David was, I mean, Jonathan was the king in waiting. You got that? Jonathan is the king in waiting. Essentially with the authority of the king without the crown yet. What he said went. He's the king's son. You do what the king's son says. Watch what he does. This is is crazy. But watch what he does. Chapter 18. As soon as he had finished speaking with Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father Saul's house. Because he knew he was going to try to kill him. Then Jonathan... Then Jonathan did what? Y'all help me out. He made a covenant with, with, with David. Well, he made a covenant with David, the, the up and coming king to be, who's not going to be a part of Saul's kingdom. Jonathan made a covenant with David, and watch what he does. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him. And he gave it to David and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. And if you go back and you read people who who understand things of of, uh, history and how things happened, this was a very clear way of Jonathan presenting to David his allegiance and showing his loyalty to him. Even greater than his loyalty to his own robe and his own armor. Now, as we continue to read through, you you see in chapter 20 and in chapter 23, Jonathan is well aware that David is going to rise to the throne. That the kingdom of Saul is going to pass away and that David's going to rise. Now, I say all this to say this. Jonathan made a willing and active choice to leave one kingdom and enter another. Let's say that one more time because I want you to process that. Jonathan made an active and willing choice to leave one kingdom and to enter another, he made a covenant. I'm going to be loyal and faithful now to you, David. I told you this is a, there's, there's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual kingdom. This morning, kingdoms are colliding. And even thousands of years ago, 3,000 years ago, Jonathan had the wherewithal to say, I see the two kingdoms presented right before me. And I see one that's based on everything that the world has to offer. And I see one that is based on the favor of God. I want to share with you this morning that just as Jonathan had that choice, so too do we and our family members and our friends. And if you're here this morning and you've never willfully made a covenant with the Lord, your God, That you are now going to be faithful to him. That you recognize the king that is rising to power. That you recognize Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who rose from the dead and is now gathering his people together and raising his kingdom up. If you've never dealt with your sin and seen what the world has to offer and say, I am a part of that, but I don't need to be. My soul is wicked, I am a sinful soul, and I need redemption. We looked at our picture. There's creation, there's a fall in each of us. And there's redemption that is necessary to get us into that tough kingdom portion. And that's the picture that we see with, with Jonathan giving himself over to David. Y'all still with me this morning? Yeah. This is so good, y'all. This is so good. I'm going to jump a ahead a little bit, Craig, due to time. The kingdom of darkness, Saul's kingdom, would continue to pursue David. David's kingdom or God's kingdom through David. Uh, we find an instance where, uh, where David is fleeing. And uh, he, again, Saul is trying to kill him, and and David runs out, and he finds uh, a uh, a priest named Ahimelech, uh, and uh, with him uh, there is a uh, an assassin, and his name is, well, not, we don't know yet, but he's an evil man who's from the land of Edom, uh, and he's a he's a foreigner who's been brought in, and he's with uh, the priest there, and David goes, uh, and he 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 goes to ahimelech to um well let's let's just read it i'll read back from the beginning saul is standing around pouting because he he, uh, he's looking for david he wants to inflict harm on david and still hold on to his kingdom to grasp it to keep it and he's pouting about how he can't first samuel chapter 22 saul said to his servants who stood beside him here now people of benjamin will the son of jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? He's bribing the people around him. I can do these things. David can't do these things. And all of you have conspired against me. No one tells me where my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait at that day. And then a man named Doeg... He's an Edomite. He stood by the servant of Saul, and he said, I saw the son of Jesse. He came to Nob, and he came to that priest, Ahimelech. And he inquired of the Lord for him to give him uh, provisions. And Ahimelech, he helped him out, and he even gave him the sword of the Philistines. So Saul said, oh, really? So Ahimelech helped David out when he was fleeing me? Really? A couple of verses later, in verse 16, the king goes then to Ahimelech, and he says, You shall surely die, Ahimelech. Now, oddly enough, the name Ahimelech means my brother is is the king. Um, My brother is the king, and the king is going to try to kill him. He's not going to be very brotherly to him. You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all of your father's house. And the king said to the guards who stood about him, watch this, turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand is also with David. And they knew he fled, and they did not tell me that David was running away. You should have told me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priest of the Lord. So all of the priests say, nope, nope, we're, we're, we're not going to take out Ahimelech. And, and Saul's servants are like, ah, we, we don't kill God's anointed people. We don't do that. Saul's rage had come so far into clinging to his own world that he had come to the place where he was willing to do damage even to the, the priests and the people of God. And even the people surrounding Saul knew look, you've crossed the line, Saul. You're killing God's priests? What are you doing? But rage had so filled his soul. And then up steps Doeg. Saul turns to Doeg and he says, You turn and strike the priest. And Doeg turned and struck down the priest. He killed 85 persons who were priests and wore the linen ephod. Saul doesn't stop there. Saul continues to hunt down in his rage and his love for his own kingdom. He continues to seek after David. Let me give you another instance in 1 Samuel 23. Now come down, O king. The the people of uh, the Ziphites, they say, hey, we know where David is. We'll help you out, King Saul. Help out the Ziphites. We'll help you out. So they said, come down, O king. According to your heart's desire, come down to our parts and we'll surrender David into the king's hands. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is and who has seen him there. For it is told of me that he's very sneaky, he's very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of the lurking places where he hides. I'll get David and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he's in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they rose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Moab and Araba to the south of Jishamon. And Saul and his men went to seek him and david was told so he went down the rock and lived in the wilderness of moab and when saul heard that he pursued david in the wilderness saul went on the side of the on one side of the mountain and david and his men were on the other side of the mountain and david was hurrying to get away from saul so here's the drama you got saul david running away and they're just on the other side of the mountain saul saul and his men are pursuing david david's trying to run away And Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. And then it just so happens. It just so happens that a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David when he was right on his heels. And went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called what? Y'all help me out? The Rock of Escape. You see, Doeg was, was there doing the nasty work for Saul. And in the, the two kingdoms, you have Doeg doing the dirty work. But in the next few chapters, we see God providing in miraculous ways to protect David who is seeking to do the right thing again I'll say that look this is this is spiritual there are things going on here God moves and does and works and and makes sure that his people are protected and able to do what he would have them to do again remember this is going down for all eternity Jesus Christ is the son of David God is protecting his son and even sending and causing war by a a pagan nation to protect his son. Let me close with this one uh, addition. Remember Doeg, right? He's the guy that killed 85 priests. Guess how many priests were there that day, though? It wasn't 85, it was 86. Nice work, Tristan. One of them got away. I'm going to close with this. Chapter 22, verse 20. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, came and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed. The priest of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar. I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there. That he would surely tell Saul. David owns up. I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Abiathar stay with me. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks yours also. With me you shall be in safekeeping. Two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God realized in David, right now in our story. The kingdom of God realized in David takes the fugitive, takes the one who is running, takes the one who's afraid. And rather than attack or seek his life, he welcomes him into his new kingdom. And what we see here is David's kingdom begins to grow by people like Abiathar. And David begins to have mighty men with him who are willing to give their lives to protect him. The allegiance of people, of the Lord drawing people together to be part of his kingdom, to do his work, and to raise up the ultimate kingdom In Jesus Christ. So today I offer you the same offer that David gives to Abiathar. And that is this. The Lord our God offers shelter. He offers hope. He offers peace. From the wrath that is to come. To all who embrace Jesus Christ the Son of God. There will be two kingdoms for a long time. And until Jesus comes back, there will be two kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. There is an offer for any who want to come into God's kingdom. As I've said before, I'll say it again. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will know by no means cast away. Jesus receives sinful men. There's a song we sing about that. Christ receive a sinful man. Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. There is a cost. There is a cost. If you remember back when Jonathan was giving up and coming into David's kingdom, he had to walk away from one kingdom and one way of life and one ruler. Jesus said it this way, he said, whoever comes to me must forsake or hate his own father, his mother, his wife, and his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life, or he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I offer you to come into the kingdom of God, to forsake the way of this world, to forsake your sin, to repent and to come into Christ. Will you come unto Christ today? Christian, if you're here, you understand the great joy of which the Lord has given to you in Christ. What is some application for us today? The application is this. The application is this. If you are in the kingdom of Christ, you are Protected. From the kingdom of this world, and that doesn't mean everything's going to go well for you. But that means your soul for all eternity is in Christ and can never be compromised. So live in the new kingdom light. Live according to the upside downness of Jesus' kingdom. Who says I'm not going to hang on and cling to the things that my sinful nature loves? I'm going to humble myself and serve people and take after the model that Jesus Christ has given to me. This world needs people devoted to the kingdom of Christ. This church needs people devoted to the kingdom of Christ. And who are willing to make the name not of David, but the name of Jesus. And to be mighty men and mighty women fighting for His cause and proclaiming the truth. Jesus said, for this reason... I was born and for this reason I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Church, I believe that's our job as well. Let's bear witness to the truth. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you grateful for your kingdom. And as you have called us into your kingdom as believers, may we fight for our king. May we be loyal to our king. God, as you have done the spiritual work in us, drawing us into your kingdom, Allow us, O Lord, to be faithful day after day after day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.